1 Samuel, uh, Psalm 57, then 1 Samuel 24. And uh, we're just glad you're all here this morning. You know, this, this has become, how many know what today is? What is today? No, it's not. It's Groundhog Day. Yep, Groundhog Day. Did you know the uh, Groundhog Phil did not see a shadow? So that means spring's coming early. That's right. How many could use a little spring? Okay, today is Super Bowl Sunday as well, and it's become like almost a major holiday. <clears throat> so let me ask you this. Who are, who's rooting for the 49ers? Who's rooting for the Chiefs? Woo! Go Chiefs! Down with the Niners! 49ers are whiners, all right? All right, all right, let's just lift up our Bible, smartphones, iPads. Let's get back to Jesus now. We need it. All right, let's all lift them up. Let's say this together. This is my Bible, God's holy word. This book is alive and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do, I can be all it says I can be, and I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave your change by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, today I want to finish up our series on 2020 vision and talk about having a 2020 vision when God speaks to you personally and when he speaks to us corporately. Today I've entitled this message, Prophetic Promise and Process, and we're using the life of David, and I've used this before, but I felt like the Lord said, go back to it, and maybe make a few things differently, but here's your first point to write down. God gives David a prophetic promise. As a teenage boy in 1 Samuel 16, David receives a prophetic promise from God that he would be the next king of Israel. And how many know that's exciting when you're uh, 13 years of age or so, and you hear from God, and we all love it, man, I'm going to be king. That's awesome. And uh, God lets you know in on what your ultimate purpose is and why you're here uh, in this life. And you need to know this is a pattern throughout Scripture. God lets Moses in on his purpose. He let Joseph in on his purpose. He let Mary in on her purpose. He let Peter in on his purpose. He let Paul in on his purpose. In fact, God's been trying to talk to you in many different ways to let you in on your purpose or his purpose for your life. Now, I remember at the age of 12, standing at a school bus stop and hearing an inner voice from God, I am calling you to pastoral ministry. And it wasn't loud, but I knew instantly at that moment that God was showing me I would ultimately be in what I'm doing today. And I believe we all want to hear God talk to us, right? How many would like to hear God talk to us? That's why you're here today. You're hoping somehow God can use this donkey to talk to you, all right? So I believe as that goes on in our lives, that, that God wants to speak to you uh, a future and a hope. He wants you to know your purpose. He doesn't want to make it a big guessing thing. It's not hide and seek. It's there. He wants you to find it. And many of you, 
uh, I've heard a prophetic word over your lives, but many of you just know in your heart that, that you're called to do something. And I, I believe this is not the only ministry. Ministry is what you do. So there's the ministry of being an attorney or a judge, uh, and some of you are called to do that. Some of you are called to be a, a police officer or a fireman. Uh, some of you are called to be in education. Some of you are called to the medical field, uh, nursing ministry and being doctors. Some of you have been called to uh, politics. Lord, help you with that one. And then some of you are called to, to the food service. And uh, I think of Mike Burgess back there. One day I was asking, what's the, he said, the most favorite thing for me to do is give food to people. How many know it's fun to give food to people and make money while you're doing it? That's a, that's a wonderful thing. And then missions. Some of you are called to, to do missions, some short-term, but maybe some of you are called to the foreign field somewhere to share the gospel with the people that have never heard it. Whatever it is, God has been trying to speak to you and trying to confirm to you his purpose for your life. Now, I love the prophetic, but you, some of you have become prophetic junkies. Do you know what a prophetic junkie is? You heard God. But you keep going to another meeting, another meeting, have somebody lay hands on you and, 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 and prophesy over you because you're not happy with the word you got or you just feel, feel like you need it more. So you're running from one meeting to the next. Let me tell you, David got two words in his life. One was to be king and one was for correction for something he did wrong. I would like the first one. I don't want the second one, which means you don't need a lot of words. Just do the word that he gave you to do. All right. Now, I love this verse that David wrote in his mid-20s. This is about 12 years after he receives the word from the prophet Samuel. He, re he writes this word, Psalm 57, verse 2. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. Now, let me read it this way. I cry out to God most high, to God who's above everything, to God who will fulfill or complete his purpose, his promises for my life. That means he has all authority. He is in ultimate authority in my life, no matter what people do to me, no matter what someone says about me, no matter what life hands me. My God is above it, and he's working through it to accomplish, watch this, his purpose for or his prophetic promises for my life. Now, one of the reasons I love David is that he shows us again and again what it means to serve the prophetic promises or purpose of God on a person's life. So let's go over to 1 Samuel 24 because I want to show you the context in which he wrote Psalm 57, verse 2. David didn't write these words while he's on a missionary journey uh, on, on a beach in the Bahamas sunbathing. He, he wrote this, and how many know it's easy to tell people about the promises and the prophetic words of God over your life when everything's going well. Oh, yeah, man, things are good. My church has millions of dollars. Uh, thousands of people are getting saved. And then they come to us. I live in Aberdeen. And we don't have millions of dollars. But my God does. Come on. So it's easy to write about it. But how many know it's another thing to write about it when everything's going exactly the opposite direction of, of the word that God spoke over your life. So as we read about David here in 1 Samuel 24, you'll see everything is heading away from the prophetic promise that God spoke over his life. 
So 1 Samuel 24, verse 1. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of Engedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men uh, near the rocks of the wild goats. How many know you're trying to serve a king and this king is jealous of you and now he wants to kill you and he gets the most elite soldiers to hunt you down? Now, you need to know when God has a prophetic promise declared over your life, you should expect the enemy to send out special forces against you. That's what he does. And remember in 1 Peter 5, 8, it tells us that our enemy walks about like a roaring lion or prowls about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He doesn't want to just devour anybody. He wants to devour someone who believes the prophetic promises of God over their lives. And that just might be why, the, it's been, why life has been so hard for you at different times because the enemy has heard. See, you got the word, but the enemy heard the word over your life as well. So things get tough. It gets hard, it, and, and it's difficult, but it's because the enemy heard the same word over your life. So David is on this road to royalty, but, uh, and, and you need to know this. You're on your road to destiny and purpose, but it will not be an easy road. It might be easy for a while. Uh, I'll never forget when, when I first got into ministry, this pastor came up to me and he said, enjoy the honeymoon while it lasts. And I said, well, okay. I mean, I, you, you tend to think, my marriage will be different. My kids will be different. My ministry will be different. Sorry, everybody goes through the same process, all right? So David's on this road to influence, on his road to purpose, and he has these prophetic promises over his life, and the circumstance he finds himself in completely contradicts the calling he believes he's called to walk in. Have you ever been there? I have. And if you haven't, don't worry, you will be, all right? Look at verse 3. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. Does everybody know what that means? Okay. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding further back in that very cave. And David's mighty men said, holy crapola. No, they didn't say that. <laughs> Verse 4. Now's your opportunity. David's men whispered to him, today the Lord is telling you. You can see they got excitement on their face, but they can't say it loud. The Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. Kind of reminds me of the Princess Bride. As you wish. <laughs> so David crept forward, cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. Now let's stop there for a moment and talk about this opportunity in the midst of David's prophetic promise. Because God promises he will fulfill his purpose and for, for him, for me, for you. And David said that, uh, believed that, and then he demonstrated that. I wonder if you and I really do believe that God we love and serve will really fulfill his purpose for us. Now, I believe it when it's first said. Twelve years later, I'm not so sure. Do you get stressed out because you're trying to fulfill God's purpose for someone else? 
But it's a funny thing because in all the years I've lived, I've never seen my car act like a motorcycle. I never got in the car and my car said to me, hey, I know I got four wheels, but I love to ride on two wheels. And you may watch this, you know, kind of thing. No, I've never seen that because my car knows what it was created for and knows its purpose. But we walk around all the time frustrated, trying to fulfill some purpose that somebody wants us to fulfill uh, for them. Uh, so here, here's my, my story, and I, you, some of you may have heard this, but I did this in the first year of our marriage, and we almost lost our marriage because on our wedding day, just before we left on our honeymoon, my dad said to me, he said, you're not going to have your wife work hard. Cottons pay their own way. Cottons don't live off the woman. Cottons provide for their families. Their wives stay home and take care of the kids. So Lois has no idea this happened. We start our little marriage. Lois is sitting at home with a beanbag chair in our apartment, our only piece of furniture in the house. And she can't figure out why I don't want her to work. I'm off to Bible college every morning around 7. As soon as Bible college is over, I head off to work. We don't see each other. We're gone from each other. And she's, and we don't have a TV. Is that sinful? We, we have nothing. And she's, she, she did have a sister that lived down there. And uh, her sister was exhausted all the time because she had a child. And, she, and so Lois watching that was like, I do not want children right away. And so all this is happening because I'm trying to fulfill my dad's purpose for our marriage and my life, and thank God he had mercy on my poor wife. See, there's a lot of frustration, and Lois had no idea what was going on. Finally, one day I had to confess to her. Well, you see, well, here's what she did. She just went and got a job. <laughs> Surprise! I'm working at Gallo Wines. That's what she did. I said, I'm in Bible college. What are you doing working at a wine place, you know? Well, that's the way it is. You didn't let me go to work, so I found one on my own. She got fired there a couple of weeks later, though, because she didn't have enough math background, which I didn't understand, and she didn't either. And then she went to work for a helicopter company, and it was hell on earth for the first year, just say that. So as we do that, let me just say this. I was frustrated. She was frustrated. Communication was bad. And that is what happens to a lot of people in the body of Christ while we're running around trying to fulfill somebody else's expectations and, and, and using our gifts in the wrong way and we're jealous and frustrated and unfulfilled because we're living a life that God never intended. I'm here to tell you today, be who God purposed for you to be and, and live it in every aspect the way God intended you to live. I hope that causes some chains to fall off like we, re we spoke this morning or saying this morning. Cause them to fall off your marriages, your parenting, your ministries, your finances, whatever it might be. Serve the purpose of God like David did. Now, if you study David's life, you will notice he never sought the position of king, not once. We live in a world that talks a lot about finding your purpose. But I wonder if we're often trying to find position instead of purpose. See, when Paul talked about the body of Christ, he said, Sometimes the ushers are more important than the preacher behind the pulpit. Now, that's, that's my interpretation, all right? But, but what he really said was, we are many members, 
but one body. And the parts you cannot see and the, are the ones that sustain the life function of the body and the parts that you can see, some of them you can live without. How many know you can live without your little pinky? You can even live without your little toe. But let me tell you about I know a guy who lost it. He shot off his little toe with a shotgun trying to pretend he was a rifleman. This is a true story. And he shot. And you know what he told me? It took him six months to learn how to get his balance back. So don't ever think that the things that are unseen are not important. They are. So listen, David knew how to serve God's purpose for him. Now, I've said this before, but some of you need to hear it again. If you and I are ever hanging out, and this is on your notes, and you ask me this question, how do I discover God's purpose for my life? I won't have an answer for you, but I can tell you how to discover it. It's very, very easy, so write this down. Serve. Serve where you're at. That's all David ever did. He just served his current assignment. And uh, you know what else I've learned in my life? When you serve God's purpose where you're at, he will give you the promotion. I can tell you something else. And you don't want a promotion that God doesn't give you. So trust me, you don't. You don't want a husband or wife that God doesn't give you. You don't want a job that God doesn't give you. You don't want a responsibility that God doesn't give you. All you and I have to do is serve the purpose of God where we're at. Another verse I love about David, Psalm 78, verse 70. Listen to this. He chose David. Why? His servant and took him from the sheep pens. Did you hear that? He chose David. Why? His servant. He just said, that man serves wherever he's at. He's got my purpose in mind. And wherever I put him, he's just saying, I'm doing this for the glory of God. That's how David came into kingship. Not by standing in line, waiting for an opportunity. David uh, his servant was chosen because he served first in the sheep pens. David uh, was doing uh, the purposes of God way back when he was even before a teenager. At a minimum wage job, David served his purpose. And when you serve the purpose of God, you don't have to search for purpose because God's purpose will find you. Now, you don't have to seek the position because when you're in the position where God has placed you, God knows where to look for you. Let me say that again. When, when, when you're in the position where God has placed you, God knows where to look for you. Don't ever think you're above children's ministry. I've had people say, well, I don't teach kids. I teach adults. Well, if you teach kids, you might get to teach adults. God knows when to raise you up. He knows when to promote you. You don't have to worry about the platform. Just serve the purpose. God took David from the sheep pens, made him a king, not because David sought the position, but because David served the purpose. Now, when you serve the purpose, then you can have the confidence in the promise. So the first thing that happens is God gives a prophetic uh, promise. Here's the second thing. Guard the promise. We need to remember all prophetic promises are contingent upon the process that prepares us to be ready to fulfill that, that promise of our lives. Now, I want you to know, I love promises, but I don't like the process. Anybody with me here? I want the promise now, not a process to get to that promise. I love the promise at the age of four, five, six, seven, eight, 
my brother and I are lying in bed with our grandma, and she's telling us about the cars we're going to drive when we're 16, and uh, I got a red one, Wayne gets a blue one, and we're, we're, just, we're just enjoying that moment, and we can hardly wait for the promise to get our driver's license. Well, I didn't like the process, and the process is always the wait. So in my impatience, I drive a car at 15 before it was time, and I got in a wreck. Now, did I get my license? Yes. But at the cost of paying $1,000 to fix the car I wrecked, and I, I got it, and I lost a whole summer working while all my friends were out playing because I got the license, but not the way God intended for me to receive it. If you want God's promise, you have to guard it as, as you go through the process. That's why David had to be very careful as God worked in his life to bring the promise to fulfillment. Remember, David believes God is ultimately in control of fulfilling the prophetic uh, promise over his life. He believed that so much that he served his purpose even when it was small, even when it seemed insignificant. David was willing to serve the purpose because he had a promise. So what's your promise today? What are you willing to serve to make sure that promise comes to pass in your life? Well, David's hiding in a cave from King Saul, and, and, and Saul's coming after his life, and King Saul represents uh, the promise that God made to David when he was just a teenager, and that promise that he was going to be king. King Saul represents what David is called to. So here's the king of Israel squatting in a cave to relieve himself, his secret service, he ditched him outside, and he thinks he's all by himself. Now, you need to get the picture. The guy who chased David and his men into a cave is now vulnerable to him. Now, David's men are, are, are kind of rough and around the edges are kind of tough. They, they don't need to pray about such things. So they whisper to David, this is it. Do it now. If you do it now, we can stop running and we can have some nice beds to sleep in instead of all these hard rocks. We, we can have some good food to eat and we can get back to our wives and kids. We can establish the kingdom that God promised you. Isn't that what God promised through the prophet Samuel? Now, what they are saying is partially true. Kind of like the news we listen to on TV. Let's look at the next verse, 1 Samuel 24, verse 4. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered. Today, the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power. How many know that's good so far? That's exactly what, what God said. But this next part, I have a problem with, and I've searched, and I've said this before, I've searched throughout scripture, I've searched through commentaries, I've searched uh, Josephus in history to find out if these words were ever spoken. To do with him as you wish. It's nowhere. It's not found anywhere. So Saul is squatting in the cave and he's vulnerable to David and his men. And as Saul, we would call him a sitting duck, literally. And now David can do with him what he wants. So what does he do? He does something strange. First, he doesn't kill him. But secondly, what he does do is something he's never done before in his entire life. He cuts a corner. 
Now, to understand why this is so strange is because whatever David did, he always did with his whole heart. David was not one to skip stages. He was not the kind of person to do God's will halfway or his own way. Whatever he did, whatever God asked him to do, he did it with his whole heart. And the truth is, we don't know what's in our hearts until we have the opportunity, especially the opportunity you don't expect. And you can theorize all you want, but now is the time when David has to choose. Do I really believe the promise of God over my life, or am I going to take this promise into my own hands and do it my way? The rest of the verse says this, so David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. Now, how many of you got a piece today of a quilt here? This is a quilt square. So he cuts off the corner from Saul's robe, but he doesn't kill him. And then verse 5 says this, but then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. I gave you this today because I want you to... I know some of you are just going to throw it away. I don't want this. But if I were you, I'd stick this in a coat pocket. I'd stick this maybe in my Bible to remind me to never cut corners. Okay, come on. His conscience was stricken. Yeah. If you're going to clap, come on, clap. Make it good. Whether, whether you think it was good, it was good. Or it wasn't good. Clap. Give God a hand. That's, he's speaking through the donkey, all right? Now. Why would David feel bad about cutting off a piece of Saul's robe? He didn't even kill the guy who was trying to kill him. I think what happened, what was happening inside the cave can only be understood by what was happening outside the cave. If you notice, when we started the story, it told us the exact physical location of this cave. Look at verse 3 again. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself, but as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in the very cave. So the cave was situated just behind the sheep pens. This is where David came from. Inside the cave is Saul, and the robe represents, uh, represents what David is called to become. All right. So outside the cave is where he came from. Inside the cave is what he's called to. Now, I hope you get this. How many know that what you are called to is more important than when you came from. All right? Let me say that again. How many know that what you are called to is more important than where you came from? Do you believe God can raise you up, call your name, call you out, clean you up, turn you around, and use you for his glory? I hope so. It doesn't matter where you started when God calls you. He can take you out of a sheep pen smelling like dung and bring you into your destiny. What you are called to matters more than where you came from. Well, in fact, just turn to somebody this morning and tell them, just whisper to them where you came from. Just turn to them. Where did you come from? Most of you would say, I think you would say a town. Well, I just want you to know, we came from Aberdeen. But not just any place in Aberdeen. We came from South Aberdeen on Boone Street. That was my parents' first house. And I've heard, you're from South Aberdeen? Yeah, we got out of there as quick as we could because it was sinking over there, and we moved to Central Park. 
My brother and I started washing cars at around the age 8, 9, 10, somewhere in there. Started mowing lawns in grade school and pumping gas at our gas gas station in our teen years. And let me just tell you this. We worked for less than minimum wage. We were slave laborers, all right? And, and David came from the sheep pens, and being a shepherd was not a cool job. And now the sheep pens are on the outside, Paul's on the inside, and Paul uh, and Saul is, is what he's going to be, and the sheep pens are what he was. And, the, and so he cuts a corner of the robe, and his conscience is stricken because he realized, I'm not that kind of king. I'm not that kind of king. That's not who I want to be. What I'm called to is more important than where I came from. And you know what? There's something more important than where you started. And there's something more important than where you're going. And you, I hope you get this. It's how you get there. Not where you came from, not where you're going, but how you get there. David had a moment and his conscience was stricken and he remembered who he was. He remembered, this is not the way I'm supposed to do it. So he turns to his men and says this in verse 6. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So we receive a prophetic promise and guard that promise, and we need to remember just like David did, and you can write this down, honor the process. As soon as David cut the corner, he knew this king is the anointed God, anointed king that God placed there, and it needs to be God who takes him out. And I don't cut corners because God appointed him, so I'm going to wait for God to do what he needs to do. That's not who I am. That's not how I do it. And, and let me just say this. In my early years, in my late 20s and early 30s, I had some friends come to me and say, you ought to start your own church. Yeah. They said, you ought to start your own church. You're anointed. You're one. You're called to be. You're called to be in ministry. You're called to, to be a lead pastor. And you know, when you get your ego stroked, it's kind of nice. Maybe I am. Maybe I should. And then they'll say things like this. They said things. We're with you. We'll be with you. And let me just say this. I've watched people say that. And right after you cut the corner, they're already around the corner and gone. You can start believing things about yourself that aren't true. Listen to me. People are into stro uh, uh, stroking egos, but God's not into stroking your ego. God's into you fulfilling your purpose and the promise of God over your life. And I also know this. Those who say they're with you, trust me. They won't be with you in the long run. Every one of those people who tried to get me to start my own church are not with me today. They're not my friends. So, just so you know, God told me through Pastor Wingo, you're going to be a pastor again. And I also want you to know this. Not once in my entire life did I ever seek the position a pastor, and neither did Lois. Every single time when we were youth pastors, someone came to us and said, hey, 
there's a need for the youth, would you be willing to fill it? We weren't called youth pastors. We were called youth servants or something. I don't know. Whatever. You're just, you work with youth. You know, that's what you do. And then later, uh, my brother-in-law came to me and said, hey, would you take my place or whatever? And, and we said no at first, and then we prayed about it and came to us again. And, and then we took uh, the pastoral, pastoral position of that church. And we're here today, not because we sought the position of being pastor here, because I'll never forget Wendell, Pastor Wendell looking at me and going, you're going to Aberdeen, and you're going to pastor that church. And I said, no! And Lois said, yes! So we're here today. Psalms 57, 2, I cry out to God most high, who will fulfill his purpose for me. Do you know what that means? I don't. I don't have to fulfill God's purpose for me. I just serve the purpose where I'm at. I'm not going to get there man's way. I'm going to get there God's way. And guess what happens? Acts 13, 36. Here's what it says about David. For David, after he served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his father. Fathers. You know what? I hope on my tombstone it says this. He fulfilled his purpose to his generation. That's all I care about. I fulfill my purpose. Let's stand. I believe many are here today with the question, am I going to trust God for the outcome or am I going to let God do his job or am I going to take it into my own hands and decide my own destiny? Am I going to manipulate the situation? It may look like God's will, but it's really not. And let me just say this. The only way to know God's purpose for your life, the only way to hear his voice is to have a relationship with him. It's just like people have said to me, how do you pray? You talk to God just like you talk to anybody else. It's a conversation. It comes out of a relationship. It's not weird. You don't go, oh, God. You don't talk to anybody else like that. You just say, hey, God, I need to hear your voice. Would you talk to me? It all starts a relationship with him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know Christ today, or you're being called to get right with the Lord today, or give your life to him the first time, for the first time, today's your day. Don't miss your opportunity. Your purpose starts with having a relationship with the one who created you. So if that's you, raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. I need Christ in my life. I'm coming home. I need to know Jesus. Anyone like that? Raise them high so I can see him. Anyone like that? Thank you. Anyone else? Raise it high so I can see. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. Let's all pray this prayer together. Say this with me. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins all my mistakes, all my failures. Come into my life and be my Savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my King. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's just worship for a moment and believe the Spirit of God to break out on our lives, all right? Let's worship. Our Father, let your heavens call your name, sing louder, let this place erupt with praise, can you hear it, the sound of her untouching surrendering, saying to God, today I surrender my life to you completely, my purpose to you, and I pray, Lord, every desire that's been placed in every individual, they know in their knower what they've been called to do, the prophetic promises they have had, had spoken over them, but they just know in their knower. I pray today, Lord, that every one of us will fulfill our purpose in our lifetime, that, Lord, when we're done, we can say, we served our purpose in our generation. And God, the God of Most High, served uh, or fulfilled uh, his purpose for us. Let it be, Lord, and everyone now, I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.